Hi, and welcome to The Book Place. I'm Salem Buchanan. And I'm Mercy Case. We're two sisters talking all about books, reading, and what's bringing us joy right now. Each week, we'll talk about our current reads and then go in-depth on one bookish topic. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode nine of The Book Place. We are excited to be here again this week. Yes. Mercy is here. Hello. (laughs) And I'm Salem. Today we are doing something a bit different. Yes. Instead of our current reads, uh, we are actually interviewing a friend of the podcast, Anastasia Lambert, who's going to talk to us a bit about her reading life and her uh, favourite books. Mm. Um, And then we'll get around to our normal discussion which is this week we are starting a new series called reading around the world and our um area of topic discussion is rural and countryside england so Mm. books set in that area very excited so looking forward to that and then we'll finish up as always with what's bringing us joy so let's get into it with anastasia to the book place you're our first uh guest and we're very excited to have you how are you going I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel very honoured. It's very exciting. Um, We have got some questions that we want to talk about, just general books and reading. But first of all, do you just want to tell us um, who you are, who's in your family and just what you do with yourself? Sure thing. Okay, so my name is Anastasia Lambert. Um, I have a wonderful husband. His name is Danny Lambert and we have two kids who are seven and five and previously, last year, I was homeschooling them. And but our circumstances changed a little bit. And so my husband and I decided together, it's time for the kids to try school. So they're both at school now. We've got one in grade one and one in prep. And I will be looking for part-time work now that they've settled in because it was a bit disruptive with coronavirus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Send them to school for about eight weeks and then home for yes. another eight. So they're doing well. And um, yeah, I, what do I do with my time? I like to paint and I get to catch up with a lot of people and do school runs and help out with church life yeah. and read. Awesome. So good. <laughs> and uh, just for people who don't know, your kids are completely adorable and they're like, I don't know if I, if I know a family who's more like has one who looks exactly like dad and one who's like a mini mum. Like they just look exactly like you and daddy. It's hilarious. <laughs> They, I guess they kind of do. Yeah. Well, from yeah, from an outsider's perspective, they do. <laughs> they, they're very interesting little people. That's so fun. Um, and you and I go go way backstage. Where? Oh yes. We met. When did we meet? Was it at Kurung? Well, I was actually just thinking about this this morning because the Hannah family is something of an enigma to me, <laughs> and I remember very clearly the first time that I met you because it was with a number of your family yeah. when I was waitressing in the suburb where you live. Oh, yeah. And I remember meeting Salem because I just stared at her in shock that this girl had such a strange name and <laughs> you all <laughs> fell over yourself trying to explain that her name means peace and I'd never encountered that before and I was so fascinated and I just waited for more sightings of this family in the wild. But That's then so when I started working at the bookstore, you were working there and I was so excited that I got to meet a member of the Hannah family in person. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. great. Because, yeah, you were working at Fish and Chip Shop, which was a, a local haunt of ours. <laughs> I'm pretty classy. Yeah, as are we. Um, 
Yeah, so then we started working at Kurong together. You in the coffee shop and me in the in the bookshore. Book bookshore? Bookstore. Um <laughs> and I started working there in two thousand and eight. Is that when you started? Ooh, I'm like just doing my resume now, so I should know this. I think <laughs> I must have been there in yeah, when it opened a couple of months afterwards because yeah. I followed the manager over from our previous job. That's right. So like twelve years ago. Oh, wow. Crazy. I know. And then you and I have been in a book club together and just had lots of chances to talk about books and reading, which has been yes. so nice. I miss that little book club. I know. It was so lovely. Um, so going from that, what, uh, Stace, what does reading, what part does reading play a part in your life and how long would you say you've been a reader? It's quite an odd question, isn't it? It is. How do you... I feel like it's such a part of my identity. I, it's never consider what a part it would play in my life. Mm. And I feel like that's similar for most people who would consider themselves readers because it's just part of who they are. Yeah. I love reading. I um, My dad recently told me because I'm trying to teach my son to read, he's not enthused. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that very confusing yeah. because he does love reading with us, but I think because he's a perfectionist, he doesn't enjoy the process of having to practice oh, and learning the rules of English and putting them together and getting his brain wrapped around it. Um, and my dad said, when I learned to read, I just got it straight away yeah. and was able to just go. And I thought, yeah, that, that feels right yeah. because I can't remember not reading. I just love it. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. I probably am fairly similar in that way that I don't remember not reading ever. <laughs> yes. That's so good. What would, what do you reckon would be your like go-to genre? If you needed a book, if you're in like a reading slump, if you ever have been, <laughs> or, um, <laughs> you know, that's just the one that you would go to without fail. Sure. Okay. I think this has changed over time as I've grown older. Mm. Actually, I heard Salem say recently in your podcast that she thinks that aging is a privilege. And mm. it was such a delight to hear her say that because I completely agree mm. And I love getting older. I think it's fascinating and it's such an honour to be able to gain age and experience. And I can look back and see when different genres have been my go-to. And I think when I'm tired and run down and I need some comfort food with books, I'll go back to young adult fiction. Yeah, right. Just won't even think about it because it's easy to engage with. But I feel like young adult fiction is seriously underrated. Mm. It has to be so well written to be able to engage with that particular subset of readers. But at the same time, I just, I think it's fascinating. The things that young adult fiction can cover and cover it well with enough detail, but at the same time within certain parameters so that it doesn't go too far. It's not too bawdy. It's not too lewd. And I love that. I feel like there's just so much intention And I often forget or I just often I'll read something and not even realise that it's a piece of young adult fiction until someone else points it out. Like there was a book that we read for book club, actually. It was brilliant. Hang on. I'm just running to my bookshelf because it was so good. And I couldn't, I didn't recognise it as young adult fiction until someone else pointed it out months later. That's so interesting. Lenny's Book of Everything. Oh, yes. Yep. I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. We all really enjoyed it at yes. book club. Yes. But then about a year later, I was in the young adult section at the library and went, why is that there? That doesn't make sense. And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess it does kind of fit. 
Um, but I also now, I think my go-to now that I'm older is um, autobiographies. Yeah, right. Love them. There are Love some, them. There are some excellent autobiographies. Yes. And some not great ones. Yeah. They're still interesting Very and have true. their place. <laughs> And I I love autobiographies, especially about the persecuted church worldwide and throughout history. Okay. I find them just amazing to be able to sink into someone's experience because I like facts, but at the same time, facts are sort of subjective sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And and I feel like facts can be used and manipulated and can be a bit overwhelming. But when you're reading someone's story about their life and their experiences – you can't argue with their experiences. Yeah. And they are and I, so, so resilient just in a way that I can't even comprehend sometimes. Like yes. their, their faith and strength in the face of what we can't even comprehend is just amazing. Yes. or And even just any autobiography. Um, so recently I got to read um, Boy with My Children by Raul Dahl. Oh, yes. Have you ever read it? No, I've never read it. Oh, my gosh can't recommend it highly enough I think this must be the first autobiography I ever read and it stuck with me so strongly and I was explaining to my children this particular chapter about the sweet shop Mm. and so I was explaining to them the different types of sweets he used to buy and how much they cost and how different his life was because it was literally a hundred years ago that like these particular stories happened and they were so intrigued I said well why don't we just pick it up and we'll read that chapter about the great mouse plot because it's so good and um they were so into it we ended up reading the whole book together and it was such an unexpected delight to be able to share it with my children yeah yep I never thought that I would get to do those things or that they would be interested or that I would yeah get to do that and engage with them and share something that was so special to me as a child that's very nice that's lovely um (laughs) I love your your passion stage and your eloquence in what you describe in reading. It's so lovely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know this was this next question is probably a tough one for most people. I know I would find it really tough. So I asked you what your three favorite books are. Were you able to narrow it down, stage? <laughs> okay. Yes. So I thought that's way too big because yeah. I'll just leave out so many things. So I split it into genres nice. and I have three favorites from two genres. So the easiest one for me is spiritual books because I read my Bible every day. Um, and I thought, well, that's just a bit, it's too much. So my favorite book of the Bible and my favorite translation is Revelation in the Passion Translation. Oh, nice. Oh my gosh. It's mind-blowingly good so good I love it and any chance I have to do a revelation study with my friends I will take it because it's so good and there's a special blessing for people that read it and I love seeing how that plays out differently in people's lives um and then my next one is my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers classic it is unreal I just it is unbelievable the way the teachings of this man decades and decades ago can just reach into the heart of each day and speak truth. Mm. Oh, I love it. And my last one is The Valley of Vision, which is a book of Puritan prayers. I don't know that one. Oh, mercy. It is beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Um, it's just a conglomerate of different prayers from the Puritan church. So it's got works from like William Williams, um, Augustus, Top Lady, Spurgeon, 
um, John Bunyan. Um, but at the start, there is this particular prayer called the Valley of Vision that I think was written later by the author. And it talks about how I live in the depths, but I see God in the heights. I'm hemmed in by the mountains of sin, but I behold your glory. And I love the image of I am down here and life can be very confining and very present and pressing and takes up so much of our attention. But if we look up, God is there and he is looking down at us and we can engage with each other and encounter each other. I think it's so beautiful about seeing his glory, even in those valley experiences. That's beautiful. Okay, so I'm going to hijack the question and do (laughs) a different category as well. So because... Because I like um, autobiography so much, I I thought, yes, I should think about my favourites, which is also difficult. Yeah. But one of them is definitely Boy by Roald Dahl. Okay. Which, so is it about- oh, my goodness. Yes, it's his childhood. Oh, okay. So he actually has two autobiographies. One is Boy, and so it's about his life um, through his early childhood, his family, and his school years up until he graduates from high school. Yep. And then he also has a secondary one called Going Solo about his years as a pilot in World War II. Okay. Yeah, also cool. But Boy is just fun yeah. and fascinating how different his childhood was. Yes. Um, and then my next favourite autobiography is kind of a placeholder for a series of books called Little People, Big Dreams. Have you seen any of those? Oh, are they those um, picture book series yes right I remember you bring them to book club and they are just so beautiful Uh, and so fascinating um my the one I'm holding is about David Bowie and I love it because my kids got so into it and they're just obsessed with this particular one about David Bowie and so from there I was able to talk to them about um, Bowie and how he shifted pop culture and they were really interested enough to be able to want to listen to his music. So now they just love listening to Dave Bowie. That's amazing. So weird. <laughs> I can't believe you have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old just rocking out to David Bowie. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it really helped that there was all this cool stuff happening with NASA at the same time. So they would just want to listen to Major Tom on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and then... My last one from that category is The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. Oh, so good. Which just every time I read it blows my mind. I love it. Yeah. I feel like if I could give one book to everyone, it would be this one. Yeah. Did you hear uh, Salem talk about this one as well? It's one of her favourites. No. I'm, oh, did I? I think it was Maybe the, I missed it. in the very first episode. But, yes. We, I must have. Maybe that's why I we, thought of it. We both love it. It's so good. How could you not? Oh. oh. It's just amazing. And her sister. Yeah, Betsy. And I enough that I would consider naming a child Betsy, but I got vetoed pretty quickly. <laughs> Betsy's just a good good name anyway, so Oh, that's so good. Thanks for sharing those. Those are great suggestions. And I hope I'm definitely gonna look up that um Valley Valley of Vision, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, and now, Stacey, you know from listening to the podcast that we have a little segment at the end about what's bringing us joy this week. And it can be something really small like a product or um, an Instagram account or a TV show or whatever. Or it can be something really big like a habit that we're doing or a life moment. Um, but what is something that has been bringing you joy lately? Oh, I love this question. I love that you guys do it. It's such a practical way to practice gratitude. Yeah. And also very difficult to answer. It is, I know. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I made a very long list. <laughs> well, that's and... anyway, just for you. <laughs> um, I think my favourite thing today that's bringing me joy is auto antonyms because I thought recently I love the word cleave because it means two things at once. And so I thought surely that has to be a, a type of word. There's got to be a name for that. So it took me a long time to Google it because I didn't know what, <laughs> what I was looking for. But it's also called a contronym or a Janus word, which is cool because yeah. like the two faces. And there's all these different words that fit into that category where it means the reverse of itself. So cleave, like to cut apart or bind together. And then there are other words like sanction, which can mean to ratify or to impose a penalty on. And I think that is neat. That is cool. I think English is just unreal. It's so confusing. I'm so glad that we have it as a first language and I feel all the time so sorry for people who are learning it as a second or third or fifth language because it is so confusing. I am always blown away by people who have English as a second language because I just can't imagine the effort to become proficient in it. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Well, that is so cool. I didn't know that that's what they were called either. And I'd never thought about that, that there are multiple words that have multiple meanings. Isn't it cool? It's bonkers. <laughs> Thanks, English. Yeah. <laughs> and that the, the word bonkers can exist at the same time. <laughs> oh, and it's such a good word. It is a good word. <laughs> now, before you wrap up, because yes. I know that you will in a moment, I just have to say, I cannot believe that you haven't read Matilda. I know. <laughs> I just about choked on my own spit when you said that. (laughs) Honestly, please read Matilda. It's such a delight. It feels like if there was an anthem for like book readers, it'd have to be Matilda. Oh, that's so funny. I think I think I watched the movie first, and it really put me off. Um, and so I well, I mean, it's it's a sweet movie, but again, can a movie capture a book? No, very rarely. Yeah, yeah, very rarely. I can probably think of one or two yeah. that does a better job than the book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I will, I will have to now because multiple people have have asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> outraged. Yeah, I've outraged the reading community. Oh, that's so <laughs> well, thanks, Stage, so much for coming on. It has been so nice to talk books and reading with you, and just to hear your voice. Um, it's so nice to hear your voice. Yeah, and I just love your passion for reading. It's so lovely and. I'm sure we would love to have you on again in the future. I'm sure. Thank you. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Mercy here. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Anastasia. It was just so lovely to talk with her. She is so eloquent about books and reading and her life. As you can probably tell, she just loves talking about it and is super passionate. And we just had a really fun time chatting books and reading. We're getting back with Salem now into our deep dive about reading around the world, but I just wanted to let you know that it is a little bit disjointed because while we were recording, uh, Salem's four-year-old son needed a couple of things and came to visit. So it does stop and start a little bit, but I hope you enjoy our discussion. So our deep dive discussion this week is a new series that we're starting called Read Around the World. And this week we are looking at books set in countryside or rural England. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really fun area and somewhere that we love to read about and have since we were kids. So, um, Sal. Yes. <laughs> what are some books <laughs> that are set in countryside England that you love to read? 
Great. Well, there is quite a few, but I, we found, and we discussed this before this episode, mm. um, there's quite a few obviously in World War II, which we're not going to, uh, that were, you know, about World War II. Yeah. We're not going to mention them today because they, we feel like that warrants a whole other episode. Totally. Because there are just so many. So we, my first one is called Little Beach Street Bakery by mm. Jenny Colgan. So who, nice. um, she writes a lot of like, what would you say? Like chick, chick- chicklet? <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, cozy chicklet. I yeah, would say. <laughs> like, it's just, it's sort of like, yeah, because of the settings, I think, because she has a very strong sense of place in her books. <laughs> um, and this one particularly is my favorite because of the fact that the uh, protagonist in this book, she, her name's Polly, and she sort of, she decides she's going to move to this little island um, and set <coughs> up a... Sorry, guys. <laughs> it was really forceful. Okay, keep going. Sorry. She decides she's going to set up um, and use her skills. She's She knows how to bake bread. And so she starts up this bakery and um, in the little town of Polburn, which is like off the coast of England, but you can only get there during low tide mm. and so it is cut off. It's very isolated. It's windy and rainy and it's all the descriptions about the cold weather and it's cosy and, and she, the descriptions about the bread Oh man, literally make this book. I'm like so hungry. <laughs> yeah. this. The saliva um, is a-going. <laughs> that's delightful. <laughs> it's, um, in, um, it's in Cornwall, isn't it? Cornwall, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. But like, like the off town. the coast. Of I think it's a yeah. made up town of Polburn. Yeah. It's not real, but yes. Fact check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, anyway, just a really cute, cozy little mm. story. Mm. Um, there is a little bit of swearing and adult themes, but it's quite cute and mm. cozy. Can... Does she live in a lighthouse? She yes, she redecorates the lighthouse That's right. and then the bakery. Thing. I've only read the second one. Yes. And... Oh yeah, there is a second one called see, um, Summer at this at, at Little Beach, Beach Street Bakery. Yeah. Oh, Do you reckon after uh, after isolation because everyone's been baking and stuff, there'll be a whole <laughs> lot more bakeries yeah. pop up, <laughs> <Sour> <laughs> little <ghost>. indie ba- <laughs> indie bakeries, <laughs> Arties and bread. Yes. Oh bread my gosh. Shops. Salem sourdough. <laughs> I haven't started any bread making. All right, so my first one is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Marianne Schaefer and Annie Barrows. What a title. (laughs) Um, That is the title. (laughs) Yeah, that is the title. So it's been around for quite a while actually but probably come into modern times because of the movie that came out a few years ago. Which also was a good movie. Such a good movie. So nice. It's a really, it's actually quite a good book to movie. Yeah. Transition. Adaptation. Mm. Adaptation, that's the word. So it follows um, Juliet Ashton. She's an author in 1946, post World War II. Just sneak it in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she gets a letter from a guy called Dorsey Adams who lives on the Isle of Guernsey. And he has found in their little bookshop over there, has found a book that was inscribed in the front cover of the book, was inscribed to her. So he's written to her asking if. She can send some books because they've the Isle of Guernsey was pretty hard hit by the Germans in World War Two, and um, so they start exchanging letters about this book club that Dorsey Adams is in, called the title, which I'm not going to repeat again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so Julia is just more and more fascinated by them and all the different characters that are in this book club. So she goes over to the island and it's just a really lovely story. Um, mm. It's written in letter form. So it's letters back. What do they call it? Epistolary. Epistolary. Showing our uh, ignorance. Yeah, <laughs> might have to Google that Epistolic. later. It's <laughs> no, in um, awesome. the form of... <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> It's in the form of epistles. There you go. That's right. Um, that letter will... format is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have stopped the letter format. Um, tried to be smart and just backfired yeah, right. majorly. Um, but, yeah, that's a really, really nice one, really easy to read and, like, the characters are all really interesting and fun and, yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, my next one is mm. Edenbrook by mm. Julianne Donaldson. Nice. Which is a Regency, oh, it's a Regency romance. I hate saying that. Like, I don't know. There is something about, yeah. you're like, you're not really a reader if you read, which is, if you read romance, which is not true. It is not true. No. It is a we Regency accept all readers <laughs> here at the book place. Everyone is welcome. <laughs> anyway, I really love this book. I still like it. I yeah. read, read it last year. Um. So we have Marianne Daventry, of course. Classic. With a classic name like that. <laughs> um, and she is invited to a country estate where her sister is staying with um, friends of hers and hoping her sister's hoping to um, become the wife of this guy who's in charge of that estate, so he's the heir of the estate. And so Marianne goes, to the, goes there and just thinks, oh, great, I'll get away from my life, my boring life and at with my grandma grandma <laughs> and this she says she ugh, she has a suitor that is like really boring and she doesn't want him to come around anymore so she's um she's like yeah sure I'll go out there and hi jinx and see you. <laughs> <laughs> <Not really>. but, <laughs> but yeah. anyway she gets to know the family there and she just starts to love her time there and it's just a really fun like mm. light story but it's got enough intrigue and suspense in there yeah. you're like oh okay this is interesting so um, that is Edenbrook by Julianne Moore. I recommend Julianne that. Donaldson. Oh, sorry. Julianne Moore Julianne is a great Moore. actress. <laughs> Best actress. And <laughs> oh, Julianne Donaldson. Is yeah. that a series, though? There, it's not a oh, – I think it's part of a, a series, but it's not about the same A people. collection of books. Yes. So yeah. there is this, the second one is called Black – what is it? Blackmore. Blackmore. Oh, nice. <laughs> They're really healthy there. They take lots of supplements. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, anyway, Blackmore is the second one, but it's about two separate people. Oh, okay. In the same, like, area of countryside. Okay. But I don't right, like right. it as much. I liked yeah. this. It had the adventure and the intrigue mm-hmm. about it that the other one didn't have as much. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. Lovely. Hmm. Why do you think it is that we are drawn to books from this place? Oh, look, it's just our heritage. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think there's, for me, I like the the actual place of, Mm. not that I've ever been to countryside England, Mm. but what we see in, like, movies and shows and books is just so, like, I think that's the romantic side of it. It's, it's idyllic. Like, idyllic, the green, the the meadows and yeah. the rolling hills yes. and the sheep. And, like, yeah. I'm just, just going think, for a jaunt. <laughs> <laughs> for a stroll. Rather. 
Um, and because it has so much history, there's yeah, so much there. That's like, true. There's so many topics that you could really dive into. Mm. But I don't know. It's very true. But I, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Why do you think? I don't know. I think, yeah, we grew up on a lot of books that had were set there, like all the famous five are set in the yeah, countryside. All of all of Ian and Blyton <laughs> is pretty much set there. Um, yeah, heaps of like children's authors seemed to, that we read at yes. least. Maybe that was our filter that we read through. Um, Mum loved a lot of those books as well. So we naturally read a lot of those and that probably inspired a lot of love of the place. Yeah. Um, well, I think even though like, I'm joking when I say heritage, but I'm not yeah. in a way because yeah. it is basically it's way back at yeah. heritage. Yeah. So you sort of have that. That's where Australia, you know, gets a lot of its influence yes. from. So maybe that's just, I don't know, that's a little part of it. Yeah. What were you going to say? Um, I was just going to say that we are, I've discovered this new word that totally relates. It's called being an Anglophile, yep. um, which is someone who has a great fondness or love of England or Britain. Britain. <laughs> and I really do. Yes. <laughs> so I'm so fascinated by all things British and England. Yeah. And I would totally 100% live there. Oh, I feel like I would too. Yeah. We've both visited London, England, mm. but never gone so, I've been to Bath. Oh, yes. But I've been out to Bath, um, <laughs> which was really nice. You know that you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> Sorry. What? Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the countryside, I've never been further out, so I would really love to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Alrighty, Sal, so what's another book set in the countryside? Well, I feel like there are, we would be remiss without um, – mentioning a few of the classics, mm. uh, mine being Jane Austen's Emma and Pride and Prejudice. I think yeah. for both, I probably haven't read as many of the, like the others, but yeah. those ones I have. And there I like, I particularly think of the scene in Emma where they go to Box Hill oh, and yeah. they're all like having a picnic and they yeah. go strawberry picking. And I'm like, those two really seem to have a real sense of place as mm. well in there. Same with um, Persuasion okay, because they go Persuasion. to um, Lyme. Oh, yeah. Lyme? Bristol, isn't it Bristol? No. Lime. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they're like, so they're by the seaside yeah. and they're walking along the um, the wall, like along yeah. the jetty, sea along wall, yeah. the seawall. Thank you. Um, so like that that one also has, and she goes to, they go to Bath in that. Oh, right. And yes. walk along the, um, the Royal Mile, oh, which is like okay. that curved, or is it the Crescent Mile? I've not been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my experience being to Bath. <laughs> Also, it's really hard not to talk in that Travel kind of accent. Yeah, that's right. It's really hard not to talk in that kind of accent. Oh. Like the countryside. I just, I can't help it yeah. when we're talking about it. It's or like a British accent. I've done that to people before when they start talking to you in an accent. And you're like, oh, oh no, so I know. And you're like, you've got to slowly transition out of it. <laughs> like, oh, oh my Oh, funny. Um, yeah, so anyway, those two classics, yeah. not much needs to be said, but Emma and Pride and Prejudice yeah. would be some good ones set yeah. in countryside. And also along that like, same line, Jane Eyre by yes. Charlotte Bronte, yeah. um, set along the moors and yes. um, when she goes and stays at Thornfield Hall and Mr. Rochester, that was, we have a, we have a little whispering we visitor have a, here. We have a visitor. Okay, we're back. <laughs> a little interlude. <laughs> um, my last one is just a quick one to, um, I mentioned it last week, but I would be, again, going remiss mm -hmm. <laughs> to not mention 
James Herriot's All Creatures Great and Small, yes. the series. So that is definitely set in the Yorkshire um, in England and I would be, yeah, it's a good little little lovely little book. I don't know. Yes. Lots of them are just cosy. Yeah, they, they are cosy. That's a good word. Yeah. Another one that I um, really love is called The Mitford Murders by Jessica Fellows, which is a fairly new-ish series. Um, Jessica Fellows is the daughter of Julian Fellows who created Death and Abbey and has created Gosford Park and all of those classic, and he has written some books as well. But this is The Daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first book is based on Louisa Cannon. It's in 1919, just before the Roaring Twenties, and she needs to kind of escape her life in London and goes to stay at the um, House of the Mitfords, the famous Mitfords of the Twenties. So it's fictional but kind of based on real people. And in Oxfordshire, and she kind of becomes the chaperone and confidant and nursery maid for all of the sisters, oh, okay. but especially Nancy, who's the oldest, and they get a bit involved. Well, a murder happens in, in broad daylight and they kind of get caught up in it. Um, this and it's is just, fictional. Yeah, it's fictional. Okay. Yeah. Um, but based on the real Mitfords, who were yeah, like the yeah. so, a socialite family. And involved with Hitler, right? I think some of them were. Yeah. Yeah. The, the One of the, I feel yeah. like Nancy. Potentially. Yeah. There's lo- they're like six daughters. Four. Oh, okay. More. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the – I have only read the first in the series, but the other two ones um, are followed different daughters, I think. So this one's mainly around Nancy and the next okay. one's about Dulcie. I oh, think. yes. Yeah. Um, so I just remembered actually when we were looking at books for this episode, I was like, oh, I forgot I read that and I want to go back and read yeah. the other ones. Um, and I think the fourth one's coming out this year. Well, I haven't, I haven't even heard of that. I'm yeah. Interested in reading. Yeah. There, it was really good, actually. Cool. And gave very much that sense of, like, the aristocratic um, in the big manor house yeah. and um, a higher echelons of society. Yes. Um, so that was kind of fun. Oh, cool. But set in, yeah, set in the country. And then um, I have mentioned before Jojo Moyes, but um, the kind of two that I think of, that are most set in countryside England. There's one yeah. called the Peacock Emporium, uh-huh. which is one of her probably lesser known ones. Uh, all right, we are back again uh, talking about the Peacock Emporium by Jojo Moyes. So it follows the life of a kind of middle-aged lady, Susanna Peacock, who opens like an eclectic little shop in a, in a little rural village and she's trying to escape the legacy of her quite scandalous mother um, and she has kind of a... Her relationship with her husband and her kids isn't great. Um, I actually didn't love this book. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, – she made some questionable choices. But the place was really cool. Like she goes through like all the things that she sells in this little shop and all oh, the cool. um, local villages and stuff. So that was another one. And then the same one, Me Before You by Jojo Moyes as well, is yeah. also set in like a little That's true. Um, village and there's a local castle, which there is everywhere in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> um, castles everywhere. Um, so that has a really nice little cosy feel to it as well. Yeah. Obviously very different uh, ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. And then another one that we both read as kids sale is yeah. The Wolves of oh. Willoughby Chase by yes. Joan Aiken. Such a good book. So good. I've reread that many times. Which we yeah. forgot to talk about in our reread episode. <laughs> like, I totally forgot it. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a kid's book and also part of a series, but really don't bother with the other part of the series. The first one yeah, is like, the best and really you don't need to read it anymore. Um, 
But Bonnie and Sylvia are cousins and they live at Willoughby Chase with Bonnie's parents who go on like a sea voyage and they are left in the charge of the governess, Miss Slycarp, who is a little nasty (laughs) piece of work. (laughs) Um, And she like fires all the servants and sells all the furniture and she sends them, the two girls, to like an orphanage school that's really, really strict. It's kind of like a prison. Um, like think Annie. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit Annie. Orphan. It's a hard night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so with the help of like a local uh, local boy called Simon, they yeah. sort of plot how to take back Willoughby Chase and get rid of Miss Slycarp. And, um, yeah, so they're out in the country and help, hence the name There Are Wolves because it's the middle of winter. Yeah. Um, and that's just a really fun book as well. It actually yeah. makes me want to reread it. Just talk yeah, about it. I bought it actually the other Did day. Yeah. <laughs> So nice. Put it on my little shelf to give the kids. Nice. Um, have you read the the Poldark series? Sarah? I haven't, but I have got it on my list. Yeah, me TBR, too. To be read list. So um, I'm, I, my mum, our mum. Yes, <laughs> we have the same mum. <laughs> owns them all and I've been meaning to get them off her. Mm. And I love the TV series. I haven't watched it. Oh, you'll like it. Oh, I, I think I definitely would. I think you do. But that's set in Cornwall. It is, and it's beautiful. Like, mm. just from the TV series, I'm like, oh, I want to read this. Yeah. This is so good. I can imagine the books would be good. They're yeah. quite decent size, though. Yeah, they're chunky. So I'm like, I'm sort of hanging out for the time that I know is not coming. So yeah. Just, like, <laughs> just bite the bullet. <laughs> I just need to do it. But, yeah. And they're also, like, really detailed language. Like, they look. Yes. They're like very intimidating. Hard, hard yeah, they're more classical kind of than just literature. Fun. Yeah. yeah. So those are some of our favourite books set in the English countryside. We are going to have more of this series talking about New York and London and Australia and different parts of Europe. Might do a France one. Mm-hmm. Just got to keep reading widely. Yeah. <laughs> it's really challenging it's our challenging our, our uh, diversity, reading. which is good. Yeah, it's good to read. We need it. Yes, we do. So you can let us know what you are reading at the moment. We would love to hear from you and any suggestions you have of books we would love, we want to talk about or topics or anything like that. We just love hearing what you are reading and what you're enjoying from the show. Um, and you can even leave us a message on Anchor if you would like to. Um, and find us on thebookplace.pod on Instagram. Come and follow us and um, see what other books we're reading that maybe might not make the show sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of it for this week but we need to do what's bringing us joy yes salem all right well mine's another show this great because you know what else have i been doing yeah <laughs> not reading no, no i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> it's the turkey balance yeah, it is. anyway it's on the netflix it's a netflix series called win the wilderness oh and it is about it's a weird like series okay is it like sas survival type yes. stuff <laughs> I guess. <laughs> when we were younger, Salem used to uh, read the actual SAS survival guide <laughs> that we had. Be prepared, guys. You never know when you need it. <laughs> the Boy Scouts <laughs> motto, but also Salem Buchanan's. Yeah, so basically it is a show based on there's this couple who own a property in the middle of Alaska, like not even near like anything else. Yeah. It's like you can only get there by plane. And they're an older couple and they're ready to move on. They, they can't be up there any longer. They built it with their own hands. Like they, he walked out into the wilderness yeah. and staked his claim to Whoa. the land 
built the house together. Um, they've got an airstrip out there. Like everything that is out there, they built themselves. Wow, which that's is crazy. Amazing. It's like a three-story house. Anyway, so the whole point of the show is they they're getting six different couples to compete for this piece of land and the house, cool. which is insane, right? That you would give you would just yeah. give it to someone, but they have to go through these series of um, challenges to make sure, and they get f- um, feedback. So the couple that called Dwayne and Rena, <laughs> yes, the um, original owners, yeah, they're the owners, and so they get feedback um, as to how the couples are going. Recommendations oh. to who this this um, sort of supervisor yeah who will give them feedback show them what who they think will will be best out of this you know yeah. episode um to go through and then they sort of picked I think they picked four couples um to go have a look at it and they yeah. go see it all sort of see if they want to live there even wow. and they yeah so it's like a full-on competition for this piece of land yeah. some of the challenges included like um getting chucked into like freezing cold water and then having to build a fire to warm yourself up <laughs> wow. and what because Alaska is just so hard. Yeah. Um I don't think I'd want to win the wilderness. I was like, I just don't know why I want to win that house. But very, I would want to watch other people do it. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Like That's cool. interesting. It was only six episodes, so yeah. quite quick. But um yeah. no spoilers they, as to who wins it. No, but it was like, wow, people really do that. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> That's probably why they could afford to give it away for free because they're on TV. <laughs> Possibly. It would be pretty sad. Like, they, yeah. they, like at the end they were really like, you know, Aww. leaving for the last time and I was like, oh, this is really sad. <laughs> Sounds really interesting. But it was good. So we'll win the wilderness on Netflix. Cool. Mm. Well, my uh, What's Bring Me Joy this week is a product mm. and uh, it is the Mugu is the brand. Brand. <laughs> brand um and it is their dry shampoo which oh. they have just brought out so i am a as i use them a yeah. dry shampoo diehard <laughs> that is like my one thing if i was on a desert island yeah. or in an alaskan wilderness <laughs> i would want dry shampoo pretty sure i only need it for a day because i would never survive <laughs> that's true <laughs> no actually i've got SAS experience <laughs> that's right i wouldn't survive you'd be fine if I'm sick. <laughs> um if I'm in a wilderness, I probably wouldn't care that much, no, to be honest. Um, but anyway, they brought a, brought out a new dry shampoo. And the one I was using is an aerosol one. Yeah. And it's because I have brown hair, it's brown tinted. And it gets everywhere. Yeah. Like I spray it in our second bathroom because it gets over everything. It drives Brad crazy. <laughs> and it is like it just creates like this film on everything because I use it so liberally. <laughs> Um, so I was like, well, this is annoying and kind of gross. So, um, the Mugu one is like a, looks like a talcum powder shaker and I'm sure that's part of it. I probably could just use talcum powder and it'd be fine, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sucked in by the marketing. Um, and it's not brown tinted, which is a shame, but I haven't actually noticed too much of a difference. And so you shake it on, so you shake it on and then just like rub it in. Um, and And it's really good. Is it the same? Well, I feel like it's. Yeah, it's like it's slightly different, but yeah. I feel like it's almost less because um, it's not an aerosol; it's less sticky. Yeah, right. Um, and it's more dry, which is okay. what you want. <laughs> you need it to dry up all that uh, oil. <laughs> you went there. I went there. I was going to say residue, but I was like, no, it's oil. Let's, let's just be honest. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the Mugu dry shampoo. I've oh, only I'm just started using it this week, that. so uh, I may have to retract. But yeah, so far so good, okay. and. 
it's my bathroom has never looked cleaner. Yeah, right. I could even go back to using it in our main bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Life changing. Life changing. Um, I'm gonna yeah. have to go try that. Yeah, I, you could even try some. I've got it here. Oh, great. <laughs> Easy. Um, yeah. So that is yeah. our episode this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Like I said before, uh, you can find us on the bookplace dot pod. Instagram. Yep. And we will look forward to seeing you next time. And if you want to be a guest oh. on the podcast, let us know as well. We would love to talk to you about books. We would love to. We are, yeah. We love talking to anyone about books. Yeah. <laughs> so let us know. Please yes. do. Anyway, have a great week. Yep. Keep on reading. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.